Thanks for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, today we're talking about being ready in a hurry. I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> my own my whole fucking life. It, it really <laughs> seems like every year when we come down to competition time, and not even just the UCC, just any competition that yeah. we deal with, guys are always on the last minute. Well, and I think, too, that... Even if you plan ahead, like, you know, take my own personal side out of the equation. I, I just did a motor in, in one of my vehicles, right? Yeah. I planned since August. August. The car just got back together. We're, we're recording, you know, this. We're, what, three weeks into, into April? Yeah. The car just got back together last week. So that's seven, eight months worth when the car should have been done in a couple. And you have, when guys do these builds, they're relying on other support like other machine shops other shops other parts to be shipped in all of these things and no matter what it's crunch time it comes down to the last second you know chris you had a great quote back on the podcast when you were a guest for i believe one of the budget build episodes where you said whatever you have for a budget for your build double it crumple that paper in half or crumple that paper up and throw it out because you really have no idea timeline falls right in line with that as well yeah absolutely and so getting ready in a hurry is something that every competitor deals with whether it's like scraping together tires right before you go drag race or whether it's throwing those last parts on and you're up until 2 a.m the night before a big race guys are always in a big hurry to get things done there's a lot of good that comes out of that Mm -hmm. because i think like we really see people sometimes perform their best when they're under pressure yeah and then there's also problems that come from yeah. that and that kind of leads me into today's do's and don'ts with exergy performance of course exergy has been a lifetime sponsor of the show uh we've talked about exergy and we've talked to rick and we've talked to randy over there mm-hmm. uh they're doing great things and i think one of the really cool things they're getting into chris is the 10 millimeter cp4 pump yeah something a lot of guys really never thought of they were just pulling them out and putting cp3s in Exergy said, why? Yeah, it's innovative. You know, I mean, let's take a more simplistic approach, you know, to something where you can still see all the benefits. It's less laborsome to install. Yep. And it's still retain. It's good for either option, whether you want to be on the dark side, go emissions delete. You want to be on the bright side of things, emissions compliant. Like it's a pump that's versatile for multiple applications. Reliability and performance. I mean, that's usually you don't need much more than that out of an aftermarket part. No, sir. So Exergy's advice for this week for their do's and don'ts. uh, I'll jump in and do the do here. Do get tuning after installing 30% or larger injectors yeah that's pretty much a staple for what we you know practice over at the shop i mean we're tuners so i guess like we have that as a mandate in our head right you have to get the tuning but i don't know how many guys call in and say hey i put these injectors in three months ago do you think i should get a tune and it's yep. like you did a, a, a eight to 20 hour job depending yep. on what truck what year and how much of a pain in the ass it was so you had to put some planning into that yep. you had to think through like what am i going to do when am i going to drive this how fast is it going to be done Put, put in the plans to finish the yeah. job, and that's getting the tunes done. I think a lot of people lose sight of that, or they run a box programmer, and they do a bigger set of injectors, and they'll call in and like, oh, the truck just drives like shit. Well, what's done to the truck? Well, it's got you know 30 overs, 45 overs, and it has a PPE accelerator programmer. <laughs> the amount of injector on time that that tuner runs is now multiplied by 30%. Right. Or 45 yeah, or 60 yeah. or whatever. So yeah, you're going to hear some aggressive sounds out of the engine. The <laughs> truck's going to be smoky. The EGTs are going to be out of control. Like be smart with this stuff, guys. Tuning is a big, big, big part of this. And if you're investing money into a set of injectors for your engine and you want it to run right, 
you're going to go bigger in injector, you're going to want to invest in the custom tuning to counter that. Fin so. Absolutely. Finish the job, man. Make make sure that you weren't in so much of a hurry to get back on the road, you caused detrimental yep. damage down the road. Um, I'll do the don't. So don't forget to change your oil in an LB7 after doing an injector replacement job. Why is that, Chris? Oh, man. There's a debris that gets into the engine um, or a potential of. You don't know why did you replace the injectors in the first place? Were, was there fuel getting into the crankcase? Like there, There's a lot of different things. I would like to go a little bit more broader with this. Anytime you're going to do a turbocharger replacement or you're going to do an injector replacement on any of these trucks, it's a good common practice to just change the oil. You're it, there. It's what, 60 bucks with a filter, 70 right. bucks with a filter? Like it's just, it's a no brainer. With my luck, I would get debris in one of the, in, in, in something in the motor and I would screw myself. Well, I think you made a really good point as well, especially on, and I think that's why I drew this one up as an LB7 because I don't know how many times we've diagnosed the injectors based on pulling the dipstick. Yeah, fuel in the crankcase. And it doesn't matter how much, how little. Yep. If you got fuel in the crankcase, change the fucking oil. Yep. Like you said, it's 60 bucks, man. Yep. Come on. Absolutely. You want to be cheap, you could drive a gasser. <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. So keep it along with the theme of ready in a hurry. We find a lot of guys are, are in a hurry and they end up in limp mode. <laughs> whether whether it's a, a true limp mode because of like something transmission related right. or fuel pressure related or whether it's just because something's fucked up beyond that. Uh, sometimes it's hard to tell. But limp mode or, or officially it's called derate mode yep. is a topic we covered on the diesel insights videos over at Duramax tuner and calibrated power. Yep. Yeah. So why is limp mode good? Why is it good, Paul? Uh, well, it's a protection mode. Okay. So what it's saying is the computer has detected something out of spec, but mm -hmm. your engine isn't blown up and your transmission isn't blown up and we don't want it to. Okay. So it's a safety precaution more than anything. You got it. I'm just sitting there thinking. I remember when I had my 03 LB7, I was driving to the mall trans was roached went in the limp mode and i ended up calling a buddy and i'm like dude the trans i had no idea what was going on. he's like cycle the key a couple times it'll pop right out dude that ignition got worked after that <laughs> let me tell you so a couple quick fixes for that you cycle the key three times it'll pop it out of limp mode um and you can get home yeah and then you can get home or just beat on it, it again yeah like the and one fix it the one customer service rep that we have we call him travis at the shop his name's anthony again 03 lb7 he sends me snapchats like dude limp mode again like gets to that 80 85 90 mile an hour he's like oh it didn't hit limp mode this time like he just <laughs> he runs the truck um and you can also clear the codes with a monitor or if you have a tuner that can support the reading and clearing of dtcs and uh, get yourself out of limp mode that way the crucial point there being read the fucking codes first yeah yeah <laughs> please read the code Calling into any shop anywhere on earth and saying, my truck went into limp mode, what do I do? Their only response will be, what codes does it have? Because there's I'm, so many things that can right. cause it. And then I'm going to tell you, well, let me pull up Google and let me Google those codes. Right. Like, you have, most people have cell phones these days. You can Google that. Like, you have a better understanding of what the codes are before you call the shop to get better advice. Have you, been, have you been seeing these memes with uh, the guys from... What's the old motorcycle show? Yes, the, the, yes, the custom yes. Showers, I've had, they're, they're yelling. Well, that, that's like my famous quote to guys when they call in. I'm not being disrespectful, but it's like, what do these codes mean? Well, look them up. You know, right. Google, I'm going to do the same thing on my end. So, you know, and some of the codes, you know, you know, it's just they're generic. You hear them all the time. So three of the guys in the office are like, dude, this is you. Like, this is you. And I'm like, God, I'm a pile of shit. True story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that takes us down the line of if you're in limp mode and you're not a mechanic, 
get it to a shop. Yeah. Just don't fuck around. Going on Facebook and Google, they, they, they'll point you in the right direction, but they're not going to fix an the truck. To an if you don't have the tools to fix the truck, get it to somebody who can. Yeah. Bottom line. Done. Uh, this week for From Facebook, Chris, we actually pulled in our producer, Justin Tyson, uh, to read us off a couple of comments and questions we had on a Facebook post yeah. uh, from Duramax Tuner. So we posted a picture of Jason Worley from WC Fab's uh, regular cab, 2015? 2016. 2016, 3500. 3, I, I knew the 3500. 3500, single rear wheel. Single rear wheel. Uh, it's got his twin turbo kit. So yeah. it's called the DT LML twin turbo kit. Yep. It's an emissions equipped S. It's an emissions equipped twin turbo kit with an S300 atmospheric charger over your stock charger. Yep. It looks like the factory put it in. Yep. Uh, it actually has less install time than any other twin turbo kit we've ever provided. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really cool truck, and it's got a few other perks, right? So it's got the 10 mil CP4 from Exergy. Lift it's, pump. It's got a converter in the trans. You know, it, it it's a turnkey 640 horse truck. It is. At the end of the day. And it's, so. and it's dope as fuck. Yeah, and it's and, so light, it's fun it, to drive. And it's quiet. It dude, is. I love quiet trucks now. I'm sorry. It's crazy. I'm getting old. So, so we posted a picture of this truck. You can check it out on the Facebook uh, for Duramax Tuner. And it, it blew up with like a million questions. Mm-hmm. Thank God for Jason Worley. He was actually checking Facebook over the weekend. I posted it here Friday at like 3 o'clock right before we podcasted. And I just turned my phone off for the weekend. Typical. So I come back to like 48 comments and half of them are Jason replying to guys. Yep. So at any rate, uh, we had Justin Tyson come in and read off a couple of those questions. Let's hear the first one now. How does this twin kit compare with doing your style single turbo for the LML? Running your switchable tunes now, 2016 model. Okay, Chris. Um, so, so they're asking about the difference between a stealth and the twin turbos. Mm-hmm. Go. Put me on the spot. Um, you know, one of the things that you know we've seen in our R and D is you know the single turbocharger is definitely going to help support the power, but it's not providing the maximum airflow throughout the whole RPM window. So when we're talking about like. Um, for an example, regen cycles. Okay, yeah. um, Jason's truck. I mean, we we've gone 800, 900 miles in between regen frequencies, and that's just because of the air volume that is being supplied into the engine. And it's funny. It's funny you say that because I had somebody reply back to almost that post yep. saying, "Oh, sure, force a bunch of air and power through this system and see it clean up." But that's actually true. No, that is actually true. So how a diesel works is a balance between fuel and air. Yep. As we increase the amount of air the less smoke we have on the yeah. other side. Which is less soot to build up in the DPF given a specific amount of miles, which it's less less taxing on the DPF. I mean, it, to me, it's a more, it's a healthier running engine. It, it is. It, it's the whole system. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Stealth is a great option. You know, it's more simplistic. Um, installs a little bit more aggressive, but uh, it's a nice option to go with. But I think for the guy that's going to be towing, the guy that might be at higher altitudes and lower altitudes, the guy that's going to use his truck for what a truck's general purpose is, I think the compounds are a great route to go. For a guy that might be doing more sled pulling where he's limited in the turbocharger, then the Stealth, the, the single drop-in is, is great for the application. So sure. it, more or less like what the budget allows for, I would say more than anything, you're not wrong for going either route. Yeah, I would say purpose, purpose of the truck and future goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that's what that's what it always drills into, right? Okay, we got another question. Let's hear it from Justin. Twins and only six forty thought the LML could hit that with the stealth and your tunes. All right, I'm going to jump on this one. Um, you're absolutely correct. You you totally can hit 600, 640 horsepower on a stealth sixty four uh, for the LMLs. 
you also will see 640 horsepower out of the twin turbo kit, assuming you have stock injectors. Yep. And, and so that's what we're showing here is that it doesn't really matter what turbo setup you put on. If you push the truck to the edge of its stock injectors, we know an absolute max on those injectors is 640. Yep. We would probably prefer to set up a customer's like daily driver truck around 600, maybe 620 at the yep. most. Yep. Uh, if you're dyno tuning and you're here in person and, and we can use the twins uh, to make sure the truck is nice and cool, that 640 we would feel a lot more comfortable with it as tuners go. Mm -hmm. On a single, on, on the Stealth 64, pushing it to 640, we're using everything we got out of it. Yep. There's no, we're at the ceiling on everything. So if you want to go bigger than that, you're, you're going to need a bigger turbo and bigger injectors. Uh, so that's kind of the difference between hitting 640 with twins and hitting 640 with a single. Yep. Uh, back to Justin. So Duramax Tuner, with stock exhaust, I'm guessing it still has full emissions intact? Yes, full emissions intact. Stock is stock and look, right? Unless you pop the hood, it is a factory DPF, EGR, SCR, all of it's still in, in factory uh, operation. It's still also, all there. Also, it does not... Oh, uh, I'm sorry, we'll kick it over to the next question. Perfect. That, yeah. That's totally correct. How often are you having to fill the def tank with all the extra exhaust flow? I'm sure the Knox PPM must be a lot higher. Okay, and it, what I was about to add on there, but I wanted to let him ask the question first, uh, it does not use more DEF. No. Um, as we increase, again, a, as we increase the airflow, we're not necessarily increasing NOx. Now, PPM is measured by the NOx sensors. Uh, they're going to go through DEF usage. Mm -hmm. We have not seen any increase in DEF usage, which has been really surprising for some guys. And then our last question of the day. Is that with factory intercooler? What about mileage? Factory intercooler, yes it is. So uh, there has been no alterations to the intercooler on that truck. Um, what about mileage? You know, um, the truck, I mean, it's it's a regular cab. It's a little bit lighter on a stock tire. You know, uh, I would never sell any component or recommend any of these components to help improve fuel economy. Okay? But it also didn't lose any. It didn't lose any. Now it's all about how you drive the truck, Paul. It's all right. about how you drive the truck. Because I mean, when I had the truck, I had fun with it. Thanks, Jason. But, you know, I mean, a truck like that to average 17, 18 miles to the gallon mixed driving scenario, that's not uncommon. That's what we would expect to see out of a truck like that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So, guys, thanks a lot for all of the questions and engagement there on Facebook. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at the uh, Duramax Tuner Facebook page, the Calibrated Power, or most preferably Diesel Performance Podcast. Send us a message. We'd love to talk to you more about your trucks and your questions. Uh, industry news. We're going to do something a little bit different here, Chris. Uh, usually I take like one of their featured articles with like a really cool truck. We just talk a little bit about it. Or we've also uh, pulled up all of the trucks that are up for voting at Diesel Power Challenge. We'll be doing that here in the near future. Uh, for today, though, they just they had this really fucking awesome article by Mike McLaughlin. Uh, this was published in their April 2018 issue. It's LBZ water pump replacement in four hours. <laughs> Now, I'm going to set that up. Um, this is, if you're not familiar with like a an LBZ water pump. It's a nightmare. Eight to 12 hours is yeah. what guys will tell you. And usually I hear guys quote way higher than eight hours. Yeah. Uh, they usually are more in that 12 hour range for sure. And if you're doing it at home, we call it a weekend. Yeah. Um, well, that's with a buddy and a case of beer. So Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe a couple cases. Cases. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Over a couple days. <laughs> right. So 
so there, there's a whole great breakdown. They walk you through this article literally step by step, what they did, every little piece of it, and some really good pictures along the way. But they also provide six uh, quick tips and time-saving measures. Chris, why don't you hit us with number one? So you don't have to pull the starter like GM Book says. Number two, contrary to what GM Book states, you don't have to remove the thermostat crossover. Hmm. Number three, mark the harmonic balancer before you remove it. This way you won't install it backwards when it's time to put it back together on the crankshaft. Number four, carefully break the seal between the pump and engine's front cover when removing the original water pump. There's an O-ring present in the nearby coolant to oil cooler tube that you don't want to disturb. Number five, water pump replacement is a... An opportune. Opportune? What is opportune? This would be an opportune time for you to read it correctly. Gotcha. There you go. That's... I feel like an idiot. (laughs) Number five. (laughs) Edit that out. Number five. Water pump replacement is an opportune time to install new thermostats. Number six. Inspect and replace any questionable radiator hoses or O-rings. If I ever need to replace a water pump on an LBZ, I will pull up the April 2018 Diesel Power Magazine to uh, read the rest of the article there. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for Diesel Power Magazine and Mike McLaughlin for putting that one out there. I think readers are going to really love it. Uh, Guys, today we do have another special treat for you. Of course, it's our featured interview sponsored by Duramax Tuner. Uh, Today we have on somebody who I think is going to make a real big impact at UCC Qualifier Bracket, Ryan Pfaff. Ryan, how the hell are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us and our listeners today to talk a little bit about a pretty badass truck that you're bringing to the Ultimate Callout Challenge this year. You betcha. It's good to be on the show today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always glad to have a nice Canadian yeah, on on the phone with us, uh, talking to our listeners a little bit about uh, crossing the border to yeah. play with the uh, the Americans down here Dude. in our, our big rowdy event at Ultimate Callout Challenge 2018. He's representing the Big White North. <laughs> yeah, I gotta leave the snow so we can go play. <laughs> hey, with the fucking weather we're having, there might be snow here yeah. too. So, oh uh, shit. Uh, Hopefully not. That's a long drive. Ryan, before we get too far into it, we always ask our guests uh, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in diesel performance. I guess uh, out of high school already I had a diesel. Um, I actually started with a Ford 6-liter and had the classic 6-liter problems with it. Um, And I traded in on a Dodge. And uh, a couple trucks later... Um, just keep modifying them and uh, just seemed easy for me to do so it was just became something that was a passion that I like doing okay how so you you come from the Ford six liter world I think a lot of guys they 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 start with a Ford I know I did a lot of my buddies did what led you into like the Cummins platform which you know we're gonna talk about it later in the show but what made you you know want to work off of, of that foundation um, at the time, uh, that was like 2007-ish, okay. uh, 2008, um, at the time then, uh, I guess the Dodge guys were just making way more power easier, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's um, true. And I knew a few guys, um, around here in Canada that were drag racing, that were actually nine-second trucks already back then, um, four-wheel drive trucks, and just kind of looked up to those guys, so... 
that's kind of, I guess, they influenced me to go that way. That makes sense. That seems to be a really common story, right? As we start to look around at, at who's around us and who's making power, who has the truck that we want to have, and then we go after it. So yeah. then we start to build our trucks and start to adopt those platforms. And it is. I mean, we, we were just talking the other week about guys who are looking at the Ford platform and considering dollar per horsepower. So some of that practicality yeah. that, that Chris and I are a big fan of. Um as you got into diesel, you had mentioned drag racing. I seem to see drag racing as a really common theme uh, throughout all of your Facebook page and all your posts and things like that. Obviously, you have some experience on the strip. How about in the dirt? Have you done some sled pulling up there? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> uh, just, just, a, just a few times uh, with our dually, our puller truck that we use to haul the trailer and stuff, so it's only a mild 700-horse truck. Um, Only. So it'll be a completely different um, thing for me to do. I, it'll just be a shot in the dark kind of to, <laughs> to uh, pull with 2,000-plus horsepower, I guess. Yeah. Well, I know you have some experience on the dyno. Do you, do you go to a lot of, like, just dyno events, or do you only dyno the truck to tune it? No. Uh, uh, up here, there's been – there's quite a few dyno events a year up here um, – and I've been going to them quite steady. Um, uh, it's mainly up here. There's just drag racing and uh, dyno events. Um, the pulling scene is kind of faded away up here. So that's and at my hometown, it's a NHRA uh, sort of track here. Um, so that's what why I stick to drag racing. I guess it's only five minutes from my house, so oh. it's pretty easy to go down to the track and race. <laughs> well, when it's but, convenient. Yeah, dynoing I've been doing for a couple of years now anyways, for sure. Okay. Do you have a strategy that helps you on the dyno? Can you kind of explain to some of our newer listeners, like, what do you have to know when you're getting on the dyno with your truck? Um, well, I guess uh, you have to know where your truck makes power, um, uh, like where it comes into boost and what RPM it likes to start at. Um, like with me now, with my big chargers and stuff, um, we're spraying nitrous before we're ever even even into load or doing anything just to get something done to light and to do that. So, I mean, when you go up, um, they're going to ask you what you want the dial to be loaded at, um, and you don't want to go too much load, like, or it'll just pull the truck down if you don't have enough power. Even if you do, you'll just do a big burnout on the rollers because um, tires give. Um, but, yeah, you have to know where your truck – you just have to be comfortable with your truck, I guess. Um, and if it doesn't work the first pull, you can always try again, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's the theory. I mean, at UCC, I think you only get uh, 30 minutes to uh, figure out your, your best dyno number. And most guys that I remember were squeaking two, maybe three passes out of that 30 minutes because the truck needs to cool down yeah, in between. You know, you can't can't deal with it uh, running three 2,000-horsepower passes yeah. back-to-back. Nitrous, Yeah, I mean, spray. Like, after your, your heat soaks, you yeah. won't make as much power. So you kind of got to have a game plan on the way up there, like, you want to do only one pull if you can, 
and <laughs> make that big number and that's and just to save the truck too yeah I mean, you can only make two thousand plus horsepower so many times right yeah, very true well that's it you know i think a lot of guys forget that just because your foot's on the floor and in fourth gear doesn't necessarily mean you're applying 2,000 horsepower to the ground you know there's a lot of other things that go in it um so it is interesting to see guys who like rudy's who got smoked on the dyno last year and things like that uh where they had to do a total engine swap to get just to get to the next competition um for you i think it's time that we dive in ryan can you tell our listeners about the truck that you're bringing to the ucc qualifier this year uh, it's a 2012 uh, fourth gen Dodge uh, 3500. It's a four door short box, um, so that's kind of rare compared to what somebody would pick to make a race truck out of, right? Yeah, um, it's a little new. It's still a full <laughs> truck with aluminum floor in it. Uh, it's 853rd. Um, it has a 6.4 liter deck plate motor in it uh, that we built in house uh, in our shop. Um, it has triple Garrett turbochargers on it. Um, it's got a Armor Inc. Trans- 48RE kit transmission in it uh, with a standalone uh, harness and stuff. So we're running a 5.9 ECM in that track, in this track, okay. um, just to make more fuel and more RPM than the, than the 2012 6.7 ECM made for. Other than that, it's just a uh, back half truck, um, basically just a full race truck. It looks normal on the outside, so I open my door and look inside or look <laughs> under the box cover. Now, what do you have? Like, you know, we we kind of talked about you know triple Garrett turbochargers, six four deck plate motor. Um, what's the fuel setup on the truck? You know, as far as injector size, injection pumps, how many injection pumps? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's all the fuel system, 100% uh, dynamite diesel. Okay. Um, it's there. <laughs> I don't even know what you call how big the injectors are. It's some of the biggest that Lenny's ever made. So just garden, <laughs> just garden hoses, right? Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like he only puts one in his test stand and tests them one at a time, kind of deal, right? So <laughs> they're, they're, they're big. Um, and then uh, triple uh, 12 mil dynamite pumps as well. Wow. So you're coming to party. <laughs> three 12 mil pumps, oh, three man. turbos. I dig it. I dig it. How big are those uh, those Garrett's? Uh, there are two 88 mils. Uh, GTX is feeding a 98 mil. Okay, so for the listeners, oh, yeah. it's a 98 millimeter manifold charger feeding two 88 as the atmospherics. Yeah. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah, it's so made, not- we've seen down the track 175 plus pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I just laugh when I hear I that, over, right? I was like, that can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the data logs are so. <laughs> <laughs> and the truck made it down the end of the track and it was able to shut off and restart. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 175 yeah, exactly. PSI. We uh, suffered a, um, we were just, the last uh, test we did, we went down to industrial and dyno down there and uh, we had a, uh, that air to water cooler exploded on us down there so we uh, swapped that out for a little bit better unit so another good problem we found before ucc anyways yeah that was that was pretty recent i actually wanted to walk through a bit of a timeline here um 
did a little bit of research for tonight's episode, and I noticed actually that, it was it was Facebook stalking. Don't even bullshit. Yeah, it sounds better when I say research. You stalked. Yeah, you clearly. Stalked. All the way back <laughs> from eight two of twenty seventeen. Yeah, check. Most people like they like share things, post things, whatever. You went through Ryan catalogs his Dude. Facebook posts really well with hashtags. Well, you so, learned that because you stalked him, right? So all I had to do was go to his page and search hashtag UCC twenty eighteen. Okay. Okay. So it was, it was super simple. Like wow. it was not. I did not have to put a lot of effort into my stalking. Ryan, um, that's pretty slick, man. I so like it, that. It was really nice on my end. So I appreciated that. So I went back. So August second, twenty seventeen, you were officially announced as a UCC qualifier. And then just a yeah. few days later, I found on August thirteenth, you posted that you went one hundred and fifty-seven miles an hour, which w- was your previous personal best. Whoa! In a crew cab short bed. Yes. Wow. Was was the interior stripped and all aluminum floor pan, all of that, at the time when you went over one hundred and fifty miles an hour? No, no <laughs> interior stripped, but no no aluminum anything. Full one hundred percent steel truck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty fucking impressed. Right there. This is the beginning of my time. This is the beginning (laughs) of me being impressed. Second post. Ryan's a badass, hands down. That's that's 8.13. 9.24, I see you on a dyno posting 1,858 horsepower. Immediately, I'm like... That's a solid UCC qualifier yeah. truck. I mean, and, that's that's a solid UCC competitor truck. Right, right. Were you spraying? Do you know the post I'm talking about? Do you remember that dyno event? I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I sprayed only two kicks there, and I had only five injectors working at that time. <laughs> so Canadian I mean, exchange rate, man. What did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get all the cylinders, man. 1,800 I horse. I was on five cylinders. What's up? Right. With only two oh, sprays. Didn't, I didn't know that at the time, but after the fact, we, figured, we found that out working at the dialogue and stuff. Okay. So. Well, that's, we're, we're, that's funny, so I'll skip my next post. So, that, so then I'm going to kick us over <laughs> to 1018. So this is 924, 1800 horsepower on five cylinders. We call that the Canadian Exchange. 1018, there's a, an engine assembled with turbos on a stand looking like it's ready to go in a yeah, truck. Yeah, because he fucking burnt up a cylinder at 1,800 horse. To flip that around, did you really uh, flip that engine around in less than 30 days? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your machine shop? <laughs> he is. <laughs> oh, my God. In a month. In, in less than a month. He needed a quick hone. It was good. That's, yeah. in, that's You're impressive. talking about three weeks. I, I actually wow. went and pulled up my calendar and I had to scroll back to yeah. be like, this was three weeks. Wow. Um, okay, so that's that's October. So in October, you're like, nah, engine's done, turbo's back on it, whatever. Uh, so then here's November 25th, just over a month later. I find pictures of full cage, full sheet metal interior, full race truck. Yeah. And, and, and the post isn't like working on it, almost there. It's like, done with this, one of a million things to get ready for UCC. <laughs> We're talking, we're, we're literally doing interviews at this point with people who haven't even put an engine in a truck yet. <laughs> well, I don't have very much time. you gotta, you got to hurry if you want to get it all done. No. I mean, you want to test it, too. I mean, you're clearly ahead of curve. <laughs> so so then in, in December, I see all the fab work, all the suspension is done. Everything the trucks the trucks ready for an engine at this point. I mean wiring. Uh, okay, so then you fall off for January. I just want to know, like between August second and and January, 
what motivated you to get this shit done so quickly? Well, I know UCC is the beginning of May already, right? So, I mean, I wanted to test and wanted to make sure. I'm usually, like, the last couple of years has been, like, the night before I've got to go, want to go to the track. We're putting the motor in kind of deal. So I didn't want to be like that this year because uh, it's kind of important to be ready for, I think, for UCC as best as we can, right? So, I mean... I just was out of the game, I guess. I, as soon as I entered in it, I thought, well, we better get going on it. Get, be ready. Okay. I was wildly impressed. For four months of work, I feel like you did what most guys do in probably the whole year. Yeah. Just right there. I mean, this truck, like you said, it, it was maybe not full interior, but I mean, it was nowhere near the same truck it is today. Did the turbo setup change or injector setup change when you went from that 1,800 horsepower pull to uh, February, where you were now doing doing the wiring. February sixteenth, all wiring done. Yeah. Uh, turbo setup stayed the same. Um, I didn't make any changes there. Injector setup and pump setup. Yeah, I only had two pumps on last year, only two twelve mils. Um, so we stuffed another one on there, and then the injectors got quite a bit bigger again than they were last year. So okay. So two sixteen. Way less microseconds to make more horsepower now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nitrous happy. So so two sixteen wiring's done. Two twenty three. Just a few days later, engines installed. Truck is running. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty normal time. Yeah. For once the wiring's done, you're you're there, right? Like now you have that drive. That's like we're gonna just work nights to get this done. But, but I'm looking at this. Yeah. You literally got the engine installed and running on the twenty third. And then three days later, you make over 2,000 horsepower. At industrial injection. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, on your way to the ATS diesel event, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we ran down to Salt Lake, dynoed, made sure everything was good, come home, made a couple changes that we, a couple things we found bad, and then straight down to ATS. And then ATS is where you blew up the air-to-water uh, intercooler, and we're 175 PSI. No, that was at industrial. That was that at industrial. Come home. That okay. that was in yeah. between the two. Now I understand. Yeah. Now I understand. Yeah, I quickly come home and gusseted it back together, cut it open, welded the inside up, gusseted it all back together, and prayed at ATS that it stayed in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> what happened at the ATS event? Um, I only did one pull. Um, with my normal one and done kind of thing and it spun unbelievably bad on the on the dyno um and then i was going to make another pull but it ended up popping uh the freeze plug out of the back of the oil um rail and the block um so it instantly pumped all the oil out of the back of the motor oh no (laughs) and it didn't burn anything else up no no damage but kind of sucked to have to pull the tranny and uh, I pipe tapped it out and put a pipe tap in instead so we'll have that problem twice (laughs) (laughs) what a wild ride I literally cannot believe how quickly you were able to completely transform this truck I mean it's not like it was a slouch before we're not talking about a stock truck and threw everything at it at once I mean you had it at 1800 horsepower how long had it how long has your truck had these triples on it um, they went on last year, 
Um, so I went one season with them. Um, and we, I had some issues here and there and just bugs at trying to work out and, um, we didn't really get them completely resolved, but I ran a 919 last year and that good mile per hour last year a couple times and that was as good as we could do last year, but this year we got those bugs worked out now and I think, I think everything will go way smoother for sure. Okay. Speak, now, have you ahead. have you taken the truck to the track this year yet? No, okay. no. There's still snow up here. It's okay, like okay. Well, I mean, you, you travel into the U.S. <laughs> 18 times a month, so I figured it was worth a shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. UCC will be the uh, first time it goes down the track. Wow. This year, so. Wow. Okay. 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 You feel pretty good then after your your dyno experiences or maybe get it on the rollers one time before then or just the way it sits right now, you're shipping it? Yeah, no, it's going to go straight, straight on, I guess, well, I can't remember which event first, but I think the dyno is first and yeah, we're going to put it straight on there and hit it with all it's got anyways, see what happens. Well, that brings me into talking about the changes for each event. And one of the biggest things that we see guys swapping in and out are tires. So for the dyno, they're going to have one set for the for the track and then for the dirt. Uh, do you mind sharing with our listeners yep. what's your plan for tires through these three events? Um, for the dyno, I have uh, speed-rated Cooper. Um, they're like an all-terrain kind of tire. Um, but I went with speed-rated tires. They're a little harder. Um, they're a little harder to get traction. Um, but I've seen what tires flying off do on the dyno, yeah. so that's why I put them on for that. Um, and then for the drag strip, uh, I go to 16-inch wheels, uh, by 10 wide, and then uh, we're going to run H&M slicks on it, um, which I've never ran before. Um, we ran Hoosier uh, DR2, like a drag radio last year, um, so that'll be a pretty big change. Uh, I'm assuming the truck's probably going to hopefully launch better um, for traction, but not sure how it'll handle uh, steering wise and stuff. But um, And then for pulling, we're going to go to duals, um, 35-inch mud grapplers in the front, and then uh, 35-inch Trixus tires in the back, but in a dual configuration, so six tires. <clears throat> Who coached you through the, the sled pulling tires? Uh, Donovan from Armor Inc. Okay. Um, is is uh, my biggest <laughs> uh, help with this truck for sure when it comes to what I when I have questions for like sled pulling for sure because I have not not any experience in that right so that's he's a big help there for sure. I'm so excited for you, man! To be in mm-hmm. 2,000 horsepower your first time hooking to a sled, what a ride! yeah i'm not sure exactly how it's gonna go but i'm glad it's the last event (laughs) now now with you doing so from the last time you were at the drag strip you have done you've lightened the truck up put a cage in fab work suspension work like all of these things have you like make do you plan on at least making like test hits or something like launching the truck seeing how it hooks up or you're just you're literally just going there blindly saying whatever happens happens um the truck chassis wise didn't really change okay. um, suspension wise um that's pretty much the same um okay. it's just weight wise um that we lost uh a bunch of weight 
um, I'm hoping it's in all the right places where it acts exactly the same, but uh, <laughs> there'll be no test passes. Okay. It'll be straight off the trailer. We'll start at 1,800 horse or whatever and see how it likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you chosen that strategy, Ryan? What's that, Ray? Why have you chosen that strategy? Um, I'm confident in the, the truck, um, the chassis-wise. Um, I know it makes power now uh, safely, I guess, um, without pieces flying off and stuff. So um, I'm not really too worried about the drag racing. I'm, I guess I'm confident in it. Um, that and the dyno doesn't doesn't bother me. The sled pulling is the one that I'm definitely nervous about. That seems to be really common with a lot of the competitors that we've interviewed. They they come from a really big either drag racing background or uh, the dyno circuit background, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like not many guys have a lot of experience in the in the sled pull arena. I feel. Well, I do feel like it. That's one of the things that makes this competition such an equalizer in the industry because okay. it's it's pulling people and like there's not really a lot of competitors out there who have a ton of experience on both sides of dirt and strip. You know, uh, most guys do tend to find one and run with it and have a passion for it, yeah. and they have to get out of their comfort zone and get into the sled pull side of it. Uh, but it has been interesting of how many guys are drag racers, yep. and then they sled pull for their first time at UCC. Yeah. Uh, I know Mike Graves last year was hilarious truck. I mean, shit's flying off the truck. He's got it held up over his yeah. head. He, you know, I think he said it was one of the most exciting things he'd ever done in a truck and things like that. Uh, it is, it, it's exhilarating, you know, and I, I always poke at sled pulling about how dull it is to do 30 miles an hour yeah. as your top speed when, you know, these guys are doing 157 miles yeah. an hour when he was 200 horsepower less. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do think I think it's going to be a a real a real shock to everybody. I wish you guys got more than one one pull. I think this yeah. year just one pull, right? Yeah, it's only one, so you kind of have to get it right out of the gate. For I mean, sure. I I really do feel like that's going to come down to be like one of those things that kind of has a deciding factor over the whole field, especially for oh, the for qualifiers. Sure. Uh, as we talk about the qualifiers, obviously the big point here is to, to rank in the top five so that it, you get a guaranteed spot in the UCC competitor bracket next year. Where do you think you're going to fall? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen everybody's truck, um, but I have seen a couple of the guys that are have faster ch- cert, uh, chassis certs than I have and stuff. And um, I'm confident to make it into that top five for sure. Um, there's not, uh, if every, I guess if everything goes good (laughs) and nothing breaks, that's the only, only thing. If the truck does what it does, then, um, I'm confident we'll be in that top five for sure. I mean, not to take anything away from the other competitors, but it's one of the things that, you know, you seem to do well with Ryan is documenting everything and your successes, but you have a lot of experience with a high horsepower truck. This you didn't just build a high-horsepower truck for the UCC competitor list this year. You've had a high-horsepower truck. You have a lot of seat time with that truck. You've been 157 miles an hour at nine, you know, a 9.1, you said. So, I mean, dyno pulls and all these things. So, I mean, this is a truck like you're, you're kind of seasoned in the sense of you have that experience already. Yeah, I mean, the truck is, um, it's not, I'm, I'm very comfortable in it, I guess, um, so I just took a truck that 
did well in the other two events and just made it flood pole basically is what we did kind of mm. um, and tried to put um, strength back in it so it doesn't become two pieces when we flood pole with it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what other competitors are you looking out for? Who do you think is uh, going to be in that top five bracket with you? anybody right uh um there's some other trucks that are coming that are uh old diesel power challenge guys from last year um and i mean we could come and make 2500 horsepower and break during drag racing or whatever and not even make it to the last few events right so i mean it's hard to say who's gonna be who's gonna be there charlie keeter is a guy that could be just because he has a good all-around truck right he won't make a huge horsepower in the diner or whatever but but there's these other guys that have 750 cert trucks that if everything goes good and they could be beat everybody too right mm-hmm. it's just going to be i think you have to have a bit of luck for sure to for to get into the top five I've been told there's no such thing as luck. It's all about skill, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's luck to you for sure. <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> awesome. Uh, who do you want to give some shout-outs to? Um, uh, all the crew at Armor, Inc., uh, Lenny and Brian from Dynamite, um, Ryan from Hardway Performance, uh, Jared from Breakout Tuning, uh, Zane Dallas, and all the guys from H&S Motorsports. Um, and, I mean, everybody that's helped me. Uh, the dealer community is pretty awesome. So um, I've got help from lots of guys. Uh, too many to name, that's for sure. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I definitely appreciate you carving out some of your very busy time, Ryan, to talk with our listeners. Uh, if anybody wants to follow up with you and follow the truck, how can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, Fab. P H A F F P H A B. That's probably the best best place to follow me if you want. Um, I have no secrets with the truck. Uh, secrets don't win races, I don't think. So <laughs> it's all there for you to see if you want. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan and Faf Fab. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson and Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTutor.com or Chris at CEHMK at DuramaxTuner.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Have you been seeing these memes with uh, the guys from... 
What was the old motorcycle show? Yes, the, the, yes, the custom yes. Choppers, I've had, they're, they're yelling. Well, that, that's like my famous quote to guys when they call in. I'm not being disrespectful, but it's like, what do these codes mean? Well, look them up. You know, right. Google, I'm going to do the same thing on my end. So, you know, and some of the codes, you know, you know, it's just they're generic. You hear them all the time. So three of the guys in the office are like, dude, this is you. Like, this is you. And I'm like, God, I'm a pile of shit. True story. <laughs>